This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 273. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Matthew Marister. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you guys doing? Good, 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 man. Uh, I'm just uh, thrilled to be here and thrilled to talk with you today about some really important stuff, uh, both on the kind of legislative side of things and also on the tactical justified safe side of things as well. And, and we have some a couple stories, too, of where people made some mistakes. We'll talk about the, what, what those mistakes were. And uh, those are always, I just think, so valuable because I would much rather learn from someone that made them, you know, from someone else's mistakes than from my own. Uh, that's definitely something we're really passionate about here is uh, hopefully doing something that is helpful and educational for all of our listeners that hopefully helps you avoid some of the pitfalls that uh, sometimes happen to folks, uh, both from tactical sides of things, training sides of things, and other things, legal side of things as well. So, all right. So today, uh, we've got a lot of great stories we're going to cover, this being our news episode of the week. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, one story in particular, folks. I'm just going to preview a little bit here. I'm going to ask for each of your help. I'm, I'm previewing it here now. Okay. I'm prepping you. And I'm not asking for a lot here, okay? I could ask you to go leave like a review of the podcast. I could go ask you to, well, I'm going to do that here in a minute anyway. I could go ask you to buy something. Um, yeah, support the podcast sort of thing. But I'm, I'm also going to, um, I'm going to ask that you help me in supporting an individual, uh, actually a family that really went through something traumatic. This is one of our own, okay? This is a concealed carrier that had something really bad happen to them, and we have a GoFundMe that uh, I'm going to ask that you help. I don't care if it's a dollar, okay? Imagine, okay, we have thousands of you listening to the Concealed Carrier Podcast, thousands. And uh, if each of you just donated $1, it would change this family's life in a huge, huge, huge way. Uh, and I'll, I know I'm like burying the lead on this. We'll get into that story. I'm just, I'm prepping you. Okay. So, so you're thinking about this as we go through things today. I'm just asking for like a dollar. Now, if you can do five, that's awesome. If you can do 10 or 20 or more, like that would be even more amazing. Um, but if everybody just did a dollar, this, it would literally change this person's life, this family's life. So that's really all I'm asking for. Um, but <laughs> This is a podcast too, and uh, in a business that we're trying to run. So I do got to point out that <laughs> today's episode is made possible by folks like you that will that support efforts like our complete home defense video course going on right now. This is your last chance, by the way. During <laughs> the interest says uh, money, 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 dollar signs. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> um, this is your last chance to buy the complete home defense video course available as an online video that you can purchase and view and stream anytime you want that that'll live forever uh, on the site um, you get you know access through your account to it you can also buy a three disc DVD set of the complete home defense and you can also buy both so you can have the streaming option and the DVDs together and uh, that's a really really awesome deal right there uh, as well so during the launch during right now so it, and it, it ends tomorrow at midnight mountain time uh, during the launch, it comes with a ton of great bonuses. You can you can get discounts off of uh, cons you know 
concealment furniture products, you can get uh, you get access. You'll get a copy, an, an electronic copy, an online video version of Andrew Branca's coming up. Okay, it's not quite live yet, but uh, Andrew Branca has a new video course called Highly Defensible Property. And it's really, really good. We just had a webinar last night with like 500 people in attendance. It was wild. Uh, all asking questions about home defense, uh, defense around in and around vehicles, on property, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. It was really, really, really good. And if you missed that webinar, that that will be replayed somewhere. I don't have the details on that quite. Actually, I'm checking. I'm, I was actually hoping to get something from Jacob on that. I don't have the link yet. So we'll get details on that soon. There will be a replay of that webinar. It's really, really great, really valuable. Jason here's viewing on Facebook said, uh, what a great show last night. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Jason, for being there and for watching that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So the complete home defense course, a lot of free bonuses, uh, available as part of the launch. Those bonuses go away. Uh, once the launch ends tomorrow, being the 14th of November at, at midnight. Let me let me come back to the highly defensible property thing with Andrew Brinka. That is a $100 minimum. Uh, that, that's that's what he thinks that course is going to sell for right now uh, when it goes officially live. That's included free with our complete home defense course. It's that that's like no brainer. Like you're getting a hundred dollar training course from Andrew Barenka for nothing if you just go and buy our complete home defense course. So, how can you do that? Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. Concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. All right, and it ends tomorrow. So, this is the last you're going to hear me talk about it for a while, probably. So, uh, that's that's your last chance. Okay. Also, I want to preview that we have our Guardian Nation Black Friday sale coming up next week. Next week is Thanksgiving. Can you believe it, Matthew? No, that's crazy. It's insane, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Thanksgiving coming up on Thanksgiving night at midnight Eastern time. Our annual Black Friday sale goes goes live. And I just want to preview a couple things with that. Uh, now, just so folks know... Uh, that, you know, that, yes, there's this whole controversy of Black Friday and Thanksgiving night and stuff. That's why we don't start it till midnight on uh, Thanksgiving night, midnight Eastern time. So it is 10 p.m. Mountain time, 9 p.m. Uh, uh, West or yeah, West Coast time, uh, Pacific, <laughs> Pacific time, right? Um, but uh, hey, this is our annual thing, a way we give back to our Guardian Nation members. We have some awesome, incredible door, doorbuster prizes. Uh, prizes meaning they're, yeah, they're prizes. You're getting these for like below cost substantially. Uh, the, our doorbusters are all minimum 75% off. Let me uh, tell you about a couple of those, what we have for our doorbuster uh, items. The brand, This is brand spanking new hitting the market from Viridian, their long range illuminator. Basically, this is like a flashlight on steroids. And you have a couple options. They have, uh, I think, white light LED, but they also have like night vision type, you know, like LED illuminator type uh, stuff here. This is really, really cool stuff. Radian long range illuminator. That's uh, that's going to be available 75% off. We have the Allen Arsenal bag. This is similar to that GPS Outdoors uh, handgunner backpack that we've uh, that we also sell on our site and we've done before in some other previous sales. Uh, this is also a really cool bag, and uh, it's actually even cheaper than the handgunner backpack, uh, but has some really amazing features. That's going to be seventy five percent off. Uh, this is a this is this is the bag you know that you want to have to take to the range, right? Because it has a spot for you to carry your handguns, ammunition. 
you know, eyeglasses, ear protection, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? All the stuff, this, this is like the ultimate range bag, okay? The Allen, or, Allen Arsenal bag. So that'll be available. Also, we have a, a light from Olight. That, and this is the Valkyrie P2. This is a fantastic light, all right? 75% off. And uh, also the AR500 DD IFAC. This is an incredible, uh, really well-stocked uh, trauma kit, basically. And so these are the doorbusters, like 75-plus percent off for all of these things. And they will go fast. They will fly off the shelves. There's limited stock on those. And then we have dozens and dozens and dozens of other products available uh, throughout the Black Friday sale, which runs for several days there. So, uh, yeah, you're going to want to take, take part. I don't have a link yet to give out, but just that'll come probably in this uh, next week's uh, episode or this next episode in the podcast. Okay. So, anyway, I know that's enough of that stuff. Let's get into the news. Ready, Matthew? I am ready. First up, dude <laughs> from twitchy.com. Uh, that's a crime, dude. Did Ashton Kutcher admit to violating California law and tweet calling for gun reform now? So, you know, okay. So unfortunately, last week there was this Thousand Oaks, California shooting, right? Uh, that's been well reported and uh, terrible thing to happen. Um, still an investigation going on, right? Uh, of course, the shooter is dead. And, in you know, immediately in response to this, there's another call for more gun control. Uh, gun control, which not would not actually target or solve anything to do with this particular shooting. It's, that's, that's the irony of so many of these is we have another, another shooting just like this. And uh, immediately we call for universal background checks, assault weapons laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the irony is this dude was a veteran, which is unfortunate. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Uh, he obviously had some mental health issues, okay, which affects many veterans, but not every veteran is going to, you know, we're, like I said, we're going to talk about that, Matt. And Matthew, you are well uh, versed to uh, talk about this sort of thing, you being a, a Marine, uh, retired Marine. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. But Ashton Kutcher jumps into the fray and says, hey, we need more mental health initiatives. I don't disagree with him on that, by the way. And support gun reform now. Now, this is the rest of his tweet. My friend gave me a gun as a gift in the parking lot of the borderline on my birthday. I've never shot it. I don't think I ever will. So, now, now, granted, there, we don't have a lot of details here, right? So, he, this could have actually been a rifle, and it could have been done outside of California, as a gift and gifts are allowed technically. Right. And, and long rifles are not necessarily prohibited for, uh, transfers, uh, between individuals out of state. Um, but then again, I don't know about California California may have said, Hey, uh, you know, you're a resident of California. You can't, you can't acquire firearms without going through the proper procedures. I don't know, but it definitely sounds suspect. It sounds like this is something that happened in a parking lot. <laughs> and he says of the borderline on my birthday. It's like, did this happen before he was 21 or 18 or like, I don't know, dude. Like, so he, uh, he was getting flamed big time, you know, by folks saying, dude, you, did you just admit to a crime? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a BB gun. Maybe I don't know what it is. It's Aston Aston Kircher, right? It wasn't he? Didn't he do the punk thing and all that? So who knows? But like, 
it's funny how you know they're going to talk about common sense. He'll 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 even say like, let's do common sense laws, and then like it's he violates something that, that well what he said would technically probably be a violation in many states, right? And they would pass that as like universal background checks. We don't want this gun hole loop or the gun show loophole, so let's close it. That's common sense, and then he would just violate that, and it wouldn't it, it would he'd probably be like, well, that doesn't make sense. How did I violate anything? I didn't do anything. You know? And it's like, no, that's the common sense law that you guys want is to have somebody get a gun for the birthday. Someone gives it to them as a, you know, a gift or something and they get arrested. You know, that's the common yeah. sense law. So it's kind of, it was just kind of funny. I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, they're not, it is funny because he's a clueless, he's a clueless Hollywood elite that, uh, doesn't know crap about guns or gun laws or gun control, uh, you know, but yet somehow he has common sense, right? Uh, I was thinking, Matthew, that this totally could be a fake gun, and he's probably so clueless about guns, he probably wouldn't even realize it's a fake gun. It's probably a gag gift from his friend, and he's thinking all this time he's got this gun case sitting around with a gun in it that's not actually a gun. It's like a lighter. He like. <laughs> <laughs> thing, a little flag pops out and says bang or something like that right right get off my piece man <laughs> all right so let's shift gears let's uh let's talk now about the uh we, obviously last week was election day uh a week ago tuesday today and uh lots of excitement on that day as far as uh and actually excitement is the point because i think voters were generally pretty energized uh in that it was one of the largest turnouts for a midterm election like ever. And, uh, which is really impressive. And quite often, by the way, especially with a president like Trump, uh, the other party's base usually, you know, is going to be mobilized a little bit better and, and have a better turnout, which they did have a great turnout, but the Republican party voters and other voters also seem to be pretty mobilized and energized to get out and vote, uh, pretty record numbers from, from, both, you know, both major parties. Now on the podcast, uh, I know folks a lot of times probably want to see more of this from us, uh, as far as like, you know, getting into kind of the political, uh, partisan political type stuff. Uh, we don't do that here. Uh, even though I, you probably have a sense of, I, I I'll, I'll just say I'm a, I'm a registered Republican. Uh, I don't, doesn't necessarily mean I identify 100% with the Republican party, but it is that I believe in trying to work the system through the through the party system because that's the system that we have. I know that there are those that would prefer to be independent and just do their independent thing, and that's fine. But but I like participating in the uh, primaries and caucuses and all that stuff, and 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 because I, I think that's a lot where a lot of a lot of it starts is I want to see the best candidates uh, get on tickets from the get go. And that's where I, I'm able to influence that, right? So that, that's that's me. Jacob is, I think, unaffiliated. Um, but uh, uh, and I know many that listen to podcasts are going to be, you know, uh, self-described or even registered libertarians, which is cool. Point is, you know what? We're, we may be all, and actually, <clears throat> I know we have listeners of podcasts that are Democrat. And I know that right. it's blowing some people's minds right now. Like other listeners of the podcast are like, how can you be a Democrat and listen to the Concealed Carry podcast? <laughs> well, the answer is I, I don't know either, but <laughs> we still love them. Because you know what? We are this is why we don't do the partisan politics thing here on the podcast, is because we are our number one thing is pro gun. 
We like guns. We love guns. We love the Second Amendment. We support the Second Amendment, what it stands for, the right of self-defense, the right to you know carry whatever arm that we think is reasonable and necessary to defend ourselves and our families in this country. That's what we're about here on the podcast. Sure. That said, it's really challenging sometimes to talk about something. So I hope our Democrat friends are understanding sometimes when we when we go down this path a little bit because it's hard to not point out the fact that it's it's pretty clear that the Democratic Party platform is generally anti-gun, more gun control, right? So here's the deal: a lot of the country went blue last Tuesday. And uh, specifically, what I want to focus on is, yes, we know that the uh, House flipped to the Democrats. The, you know, we're talking about the U.S. House of Representatives. Went blue. All right? That was a, that was a pretty, pretty big loss. Uh, yes, it was not as bad as some people expected. Uh, this did not qualify quite as a wave, a blue wave, as they like to say. You know, um, it, Historically, a wave election. Uh, when you're looking nationwide, and you don't just look at like the U.S. House or Senate, but you look at all of the different state legislatures, you consider it a wave when one party flips about 500 seats nationwide. We're talking like the state level seats, and this particular one flipped about 367 seats to to the Democrats. Uh, so it did not quite reach the status of a wave. Okay, that's probably like the one blue or the one. Um, <laughs> Good thing, right? Like that's like the one good thing we can point out and be like, okay, this could have been way worse as far as putting folks in power that are more likely to impact the Second Amendment on a variety of levels, federal and also state levels. However, here's what I want to talk about for, as far as an analysis. And those of you on Facebook, I'm sharing sharing my screen real quick here with you. Um, <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> Basically, what I'm focus on is state government trifectas. All right, and trifecta is when a state government is. You, you basically look at it like your governorship, your state senate, and your state house. All right, and when all three of those houses and/or seats are controlled by one party, then you have what's called a trifecta. Right. I know this is not news for some people. Um, okay, so here's here's this image and the links in the show notes, folks, by the way, and, and today's show notes can be found at concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 273. Uh, so link to this page on Ballotpedia is because this is just a really simple, great uh, uh, summary of everything that occurred. What we're looking at here is a comparison of before the election and now post-election and the the changes in that, that occurred there. Okay. So basically you see there, there's six states that were either red or gray that changed to actually I don't know if that any of them were red that completely flipped. No, there's not any. Uh, but they were these were states that were still uh, mixed, meaning they had a split. You know, something was controlled by one party, and at least something else was controlled by the other party. So whether that's the governor seat or the house or the senate for that particular state, right? So what we saw happen is that Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico. Illinois, New York, and Maine all went to a blue or a Democrat trifecta. And so what does this mean? Why am I focusing on this? Because those are now six states that are prime, that are ripe for some major anti-gun legislation to come down the pike. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. You know, start of the year when typically uh, these elected officials now be taking their seats. So come January 1, 2019, folks, if you're in one of those six states, congratulations. You, you've won the lottery and that uh, your state is about to get probably a lot tougher in terms of gun laws. I know things are here in Colorado are going to get very ugly. The entire state went blue. Yeah. Uh, our governor seat, blue. House, Senate, blue. Now, previously, what it was is we still had a Democrat governor, Democrat House, but the Republicans controlled the um, the uh, Senate. And so they had tried to pass different things, and it wouldn't quite get through the Senate. And now that is now gone. The Secretary of State, Democratic. Attorney General, Democratic. Attorney Generals can have Attorneys general can have huge impacts in states as it relates to gun policy. Um, everything, so everything went to the Democrats here in Colorado. It's going to get ugly. Now, I know that some of you are going, hey, Ryan, stop picking on the Democrats. Well, it's the reality. That's what we're going to see. If, and it's, you know what? Like I said, I still love you if you're a Democrat. I honestly don't care. I really don't care what party you are. But I'm just speaking from what we, what we are pretty confident is going to happen is that in these six states where now we have these new trifectas, it's going to get ugly in the next legislative sessions. All right. Now, the other thing I want to focus on is that there were several Republican uh, trifectas that we lost. That would be states like Kansas, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Okay. Those four states were red trifectas and now are no longer. They're split. Okay. And several of those, in fact, I think, let's see. Michigan, Wisconsin. I think those all were governors that went, uh, let's see, yep, 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 yep. Those, actually, no, New Hampshire would be one exception. New Hampshire, the uh, they lost the Senate and the House, but the governor is still a Republican. Um, so, yeah, that's what happened there. So we had these states that were very much controlled by uh, what would generally be pro-gun people and now are less controlled. And so and it's harder to get things done. All right. So you, if you had an opportunity to get some sort of pro-gun legislation through those states, that opportunity is a lot. It's, it's, it's basically gone. All right. So, and then Georgia, by the way, is kind of on, we don't know what's going to happen for sure there because they're, they're doing a recount for the uh, governor. Uh, the governor's race. Okay, you have a Republican-controlled Senate and House, but the governor could go one way or the other. We've got that lady that we talked about in the past. I'm not even mentioning her name. I don't care to. I listened to one of her speeches this last week, and I was like, oh, geez, I, I really hope uh, she does not win. So, all right, that's that's the reality, folks. So in, let's see, a total of 10 states as of right now, uh, we've lost ground, as I see it, to influencing uh, pro two a laws. That should be the big news story here. Not uh, my not the focus on the U.S. House or anything federal or U.S. based, but the fact that in that we lost a lot of ground in ten states. Right, that's where the real battles fought. Right, Matthew is is on these state levels with a lot of yeah. these laws. Absolutely. I mean, we see it time and time again, the federal, it's almost like gridlock, right? In, in the federal government, nothing ever really substantial gets done because um, they're always worried about the political weight of what's, you know, if I vote for this, I'm going to lose these, these people and stuff. But state, uh, state elections and state laws 
uh, they're more easily controlled by the by the people, and that's how it should be. Um, and they have a lot more to lose. I mean, these people get ousted pretty quick if they're going against what the their constituency is. So um, I think you know it, it's it's unfortunate, but at the same time, um, you know I, I think it kind of shows how divided people have become along political lines. You know, it's it's almost become where it, it, it's you are you are one you are a republican or you are a democrat there's nothing in between you can't be uh, kind of on the fence anymore because the two ideologies are so separate um and it's leaving like a, a chasm for just the average person who's like dude i i just i'm a normal person i don't want to you know disband ice but i'm not for you know um I don't know, tax cuts for, you know, big corporations. I just, I want to be able to feed my kids and do this and that. And it's like the parties are neglecting those people because they're picking well, a side. And, and that's where the battle is to be fought is, is folks that are in the middle, right? That don't mm-hmm. identify yeah. with either party uh, or are unaffiliated or independent, whatever. That's, that's where the battles to be fought. I, I'm not suggest like, we have folks on the far left of this country, folks on the far right of this country. We have a bunch of people in the middle, right? The The battle is not trying to get the far right people to convince the far left people to go along with them or vice versa. It's about trying to win the folks in the middle. And this is true of the Second Amendment, people. I had this conversation with somebody recently, and I'd, I'd said something about, hey, we need to, like, instead of trying to alienate people, like, if somebody is not 100% in line with you and their their political or legislative thoughts as it relates to the second amendment, like you shouldn't immediately attack them and alienate them. Okay. Because that does, you know, a lot of times those people are the ones that are kind of in the middle and they can be persuaded. And so we actually lose, we actually hurt ourselves when we attack somebody that doesn't quite see eye to eye. Like they're generally pro gun, but they might say something like, you know what? I support second amendment. I support concealed carry. I support the right of self-defense. I support the right of an individual to carry a gun outside the home for self-defense concealed or otherwise, but I just can't quite get on board with these AR 15 and military style assault weapons. Right now our tendency in our community a lot of times is to jump on those people's cases and be like, what's wrong with you? You know, like it's either you're all in or you're all out and that, you know what? Like I understand the sentiment. Like I kind of feel like, Oh, come on. Like, you know, like you should just respect the second amendment, you know, and our, it, that, that it shall not be infringed. But if we jump all over those people's cases, then uh, we actually hurt ourselves because we have an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that's in that boat and try to sway them to our side. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then we may run the risk of pushing them away from our side. And they might go more anti-gun instead of become more pro-gun. See, it's the people in the middle that we are concerned about trying to persuade. That's what I want to, that's what I, that's what I want to leave it at here today, Matthew. We've got to move along. Yep. All right. That'd be a good lesson, I think, for everybody to take away from this. Uh, yes, our nation is po- extremely polarized. Our next story is from thehill.com, and uh, it's about Nancy Pelosi. Gun control, she says, will be a priority in the next House. Now, it's far a far cry from her being the next uh, Speaker of the House. There's many in her own party that aren't supporting her in that endeavor to uh, become, once again, the Speaker of the House. Uh, but uh, it's I'd say it's more likely than not that she becomes a Speaker, and so she will have a she will be a big part of driving the agenda in the House of Representatives. Uh, so 
this obviously is relevant and it's not, it does not come as a surprise at all. Like, of course we expect this. In fact, we have another story here from Breitbart that highlights that Democrats introduced a a bill banning sales and advertisements for gun parts kits, specifically going after 80% lowers, ghost guns and other uh, parts and accessory kits for building guns. They introduced a bill last, I think it was last week or just before the the election, uh, sponsored by Representative Frank Pallone, a Democrat of New Jersey. And it has 16 16 Democrats as co-sponsors. And the purpose of the bill is to prevent the sale, possession, or advertising of 80% receivers, gun parts, kits, etc. It says it would prohibit these things, firearm receiver castings or blanks, assault weapon parts kits, and machine gun parts kits, and the marketing or advertising of such castings or blanks and kits on any medium of electronic communications to require homemade firearms to have serial numbers and for other purposes. Yeah, it's super, it's super uh, general in, in, in its language, right? So it's, it's ambiguous at best. And so it leaves the ability for them to kind of throw a lot of things in there. Um, you know, a, as mentioned in the article, it doesn't distinguish between uppers and lowers of, on ARs. Um, right. And it doesn't specifically mention like, um, uh, you know, 80% uh, handgun lowers right but right it could they could slide that in there without having to just by interpretation right so th- that's why this legislation is not it just it's it's dangerous to to you know and, and likely this won't you know become a, an actual law but it's just it's this constant like ambiguous nature of the laws that are presented without a clear understanding of what what they're talking about which makes it really really troublesome that's right. Uh, ironically, firearms built from 80% lowers are not 3D printed firearms, yet the legislation is ubiqu- ubiquitously titled th- the 3D Firearms Prohibition Act. Um, like I said, this does not come as a surprise, uh, and I anticipate we'll see a lot more of this from the House of Representatives in the upcoming uh, session. Uh, that said, it's unlikely they get things pushed through, right? So this, a lot of this will be political grandstanding and posturing. But, you know, this is a reminder that should things turn the other way come 2020, as far as elections are concerned, where if the Senate went to the Democrat Party and maybe even, you know, Trump lost or something, because obviously it's assumed he will be uh, running for re-election, you know, we could find ourselves in a position where suddenly it's a lot easier to get some of these laws passed uh, nationwide, Right, but right now my bigger focus is on these some of these statewide issues. Another issue that f- failed or that did pass, it failed from our point of view, was in Washington State last week with the initiative there. We've been talking about that on the podcast the last several episodes. That one passed, and that's yeah. got some crazy provisions. You, it's, you know, basically you have to be 21 to purchase uh, any sort of semi-automatic rifle. You have to go through a training course. And it doesn't specify what that could be. Uh, so that could be left up to some government bureaucrat to determine some ambiguous standard that you got to do so many hours of su- some sort of course so that you just so you can be able to purchase a semi-automatic rifle. And it says semi-automatic rifles. This is not like just picking on AR-15s and AKs. This is picking on like there's many semi-automatic rifles that are not necessarily military style or not even mm-hmm. close to it, right? 
And uh, I say that in quotations in case people want, you know, not seeing me, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's we have some serious challenges coming up here in the next few years, right? For sure. I, I, I just wish more, like, I don't know why the gun issue has to be such a divisive issue. Like, we, I, I'm cool with us fighting all over the economy and healthcare and all that stuff. I just wish we could just join hands and, you know, support <laughs> the Second Amendment. Kumbaya, man. That's right. Yeah, I, I I would I would hold Nancy Pelosi's hand if she you know and sing Kumbaya if she said she'd support the Second Amendment, <laughs> but that'll never happen. No, no, <laughs> not in this lifetime, dude. <laughs> so we'll we'll be keeping an eye on things here, obviously. Um, all right, got to keep moving along here. One interesting piece of news, I, I guess, good news, I suppose. I just don't see that it really makes much difference, but in Oregon. Eight of 10 Oregon counties approve a measure to boost gun rights. This is according to the WashingtonTimes.com. And it says that voters in the following counties, Baker, Columbia, Douglas, Jackson, Klamath, Lake, Lincoln, Lynn, Umatilla, and Union counties passed measures that, well, they say bolster gun rights, all right? And what it is is that residents of those counties now have the right to own a semi-automatic weapon in high-capacity magazines regardless of state or federal law. <laughs> they also empower sheriffs to determine if state and federal gun laws are constitutional and prohibit the use of county funds to enforce them. But before you move to Portland, Oregon, it's not law. It's, it's not law yet. It's... Um... It's likely to be, uh, as it, as the article says, it's likely to be challenged um, and probably not constitutionally um, allowed. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because so, but the, but but one one thing real quick is is that mm -hmm. it, it, you know it was um, they said that these are these were spurred on by militia groups, and I looked up the the militia groups, the Oath Keepers, and the Three Percenter groups, in, in Oregon, and they have maybe like. 600 members total. So, you know, it's not just these, these, you know, fringe 600 do, uh, people that, that made, that got these, um, approved, right. It's, it's the people. So if enough people want this, then it should tell the legislation at the state level, at least that this is, this is the group that I'm representing. These are my people. And so, um, maybe this will spawn some other, uh, regulate or other gun um, laws and, and maybe some, you know, better, um, better laws out there in Portland, Oregon, because I know they probably have some pretty restrictive stuff out there as far as uh, local laws. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing with this kind of thing. And I, I've seen other cities or counties and even states uh, and now states themselves have a, a little bit more of a ground. Uh, to argue on than a city or a county, but uh, you know, so other other jurisdictions have tried to pass similar measures, and these almost always don't go anywhere, and are mostly symbolic. And the reason why is because we do live in the United States of America, and we have this thing called the U.S. Constitution, and that Constitution is is fairly clear on the rights of of the, of the federal government, the rights of states, but. That does not speak to cities and counties. It's it's talking about a uh, division between a federal government that's limited and state governments and the balance between them and checks and balances. And 
you know, so if you have a city or a county that tries to pass something that goes distinctly, and I, I get that we have other issues, uh, whether it's immigration, whether, you know, sanctuary cities or um, uh, marijuana, you know, related stuff or other drug related uh, things that, uh, you know, cities and counties will sometimes go against the federal government on and, and the federal government basically chooses not to go after them. Um, it, I don't see that that's going to be the case with, you know, some sort of like the federal government suddenly decides to really overreach and crack down on guns. It's going to crack down on guns. Like it's not, it's not drugs. It's not, um, it's not immigration, right? It, it, this is, this is a, a much, I think more, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see that this would uphold in any sort of court. I mean, a city or a county does not have sovereignty, it's, that's right. just the reality of it. Like you're in the United States of America, you'd have to somehow declare sovereignty as a as a sovereign nation that would be completely engulfed with you know and enveloped within an already established nation known as the United States of America. Yes, still the greatest nation on the face of the, of the planet. And uh, yeah, anyway, I applaud them. Like, cool. Obviously, the people voted for it, so like, awesome. But uh, if the federal government decided to come and enforce some arbitrary law that, you know, does not yet exist, but maybe could exist in the future. Or specifically here, they were addressing uh, high capacity magazines and, and uh, assault weapons, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, and that could be something that could be passed potentially you know, at some point down the road on a federal basis, even, you know, go back to the assault weapons ban of uh, 1994, right? Uh, and those, you, you think those cities and counties are going to be let off the hook that because they passed an ordinance that says, no, we can have those things here. Yeah, it's not going to fly. It just won't. Concealedcarry.com. We reported uh, this last week, police shoot the wrong man in Robbins, Illinois. Why don't you highlight this story for us, Matthew? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go over uh, really quick. Um, basically, there is a incident outside a bar um, between a uh, security guard and some people. Uh, he kicks, I guess he kicks one or a couple people out. Um, they return with a firearm. S- shots are fired. Uh, the security guard or bouncer goes out and apparently apprehends one of the one of the people involved either in the shooting or um, was part of that group. And he has a firearm um, and he has this guy on the ground and the police show up, obviously, because people are calling the police and they end up shooting the security guard, thinking that he is the guy who is uh, who is uh, the active shooter right in this bar. Um, and it. It, it it's sad, obviously. I mean, the guy that he had, he was a other you know all reports he was a good guy. He was a he's working as a security guard, no criminal history, nothing like that. Um, he wanted so to become a cop. Yep, yep. And, and and it's it's terrible. You know, it's a, it's a tragic incident, um, and it's made more tragic by the fact that he was he was black and that this got twisted into a racial thing with the police and just from my point of view and look i don't know what's in the hearts of the officer and the officer that shot him you know but i think that um far too often we we jump to a simple so or a simple reason for a complex situation or something that caused a complex um problem and so it's not so simple. It's not like the guy, you know, the cop showed up, saw a black person and shot him. You know, um, there's other stuff that goes into it. And, and I think 
you know, maybe, and maybe it does come out to be a racially motivated thing. I'm not saying that it can't ever. I'm just saying, I think, um, probably it's more prudent to, to err on the side of caution and say, look, I mean, police have to make a very, um, split second decision there with all the stuff that's going on with active shooters and in the, in the news. And it makes it seem like, you know, there's an active shooter ever around every corner. Um, Maybe the, you know, maybe the officer shows up, he sees a guy with a, with a firearm holding somebody else down and, uh, and, and in the, you know, the, the, the chaos of what's going on, he makes a decision yeah. and, and shoots a guy. And I'm not saying it's the right decision. I wasn't there. I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I wasn't there. Um, I'm just saying it's a tragic situation and we need to not make it more tragic by injecting, uh, other things into it that might not necessarily, uh, have been a factor at all. Yeah. T- tell me, Matthew, uh, what are your what is your take on the statement from a witness at the event who said that uh, he, Roberson, the security guard that ended up getting shot, had somebody on the ground with a knee in his back, with his gun in his back, like "Don't move." Yeah, you know, and, and the, so so it's easy to jump and say like, "Well, if I'm a concealed carrier, that's why I, you know, I don't why I don't trust the police, and I want to be holstered when they come." It, it that statement, if that's true. You know, is that not a, a a position that might look like somebody who is the aggressor is doing that? Right. That's my that's my take. Like, if I show if I'm looking at someone with holding somebody on the ground with a gun, you know, against their their back or or, or pointing at their head or something and saying, "Don't move," and I don't know that there's an armed security guard on on the scene. What is what's your likely? What are you likely to assume as the officer showing up? You know. Um, as opposed to maybe somebody in the Sewell position, you know, holding, holding their firearm in the Sewell position like this and, and saying, Hey, I, I'm a security guard this way. I have somebody, you know, I have somebody detained here. Um, so it's not just all on the police officer. He, he, you know, he might've made a bad decision. Um, but we also have to take the, you know, take our own responsibility in our own hands and understand we have a firearm and, and, in a chaotic situation like that, we need to do whatever we can to not make ourselves look like we are the aggressor. That's that's yeah. just my my two cents on it. I found this image of this security guard with you know knee in the back of the dude that you know obviously must have been involved in this initial altercation. So he's got his knee in his back and he's also holding his gun right here and you know basically like saying "Don't move." Um, like yeah, like I get this guy as a security guard and I get that this was kind of almost like an active shooter situation. I mean, you, you, so there's so many types of, in, of types of incidents where they start at bars. Like bars are really bad places to be at three and four in the morning. Um, there's so, <laughs> there's just not a lot of good that happens at that time of the night. A lot of times, it's, especially some of these places, uh, you know, you get folks that get into some kind of altercation. They're upset at one another. They're all obviously impaired as well in their, in their thought process, uh, not making good choices and decisions. And so, you know, this dude got angry with some people, went back to his vehicle. It, it would seem grabbed a gun, came back, started shooting. This security guard did a very honorable thing in trying to stop that. And it doesn't say that the security guard actually fired any shots at him. If I'm, Let's right, I, I don't think he did. Uh, not from what oh, I saw. Oh, actually, it does say a security guard returned fire. Okay, oh, okay. it's just not very specific, and it and it. I don't think it actually said if the suspect was injured or not. But uh, you know, clearly at some point, uh, 
this man ends up gain, gaining control over an, an individual uh, perceived. It would it seem apparent that it's the guy that you know came back with and was threatening her and shooting at people. Um, but it's that it's the body language, like kind of what you're saying. You know that 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 probably was not the best uh, thing to be portraying as cops are now arriving on the scene, right? So. Anyway, yep, good analysis, uh, Matthew. Now, I want to get your take uh, on this because you have far more uh, hands-on and direct experience than I do in this regard. And this is an article from thetruthaboutguns.com. And this is kind of a response, if you will, to the Thousand, excuse me, Thousand Oaks shooting, mm-hmm. which was done by, by a veteran. And yeah. have we had other incidents done by veterans? Yes, we have. Um, and sometimes it's, it seems like it's put out there whether intentional or not, whether direct or not, that, hey, you know, sometimes, you know, these, these you know, a lot of times, actually, I would say that sometimes it even seems like they're saying a lot of times these veterans mm-hmm. that are suffering from PTSD and other things have something wrong with them and they, they you know, they, they crack and, and they go crazy and then they show up with a gun someplace and shoot up a bar, right? Yeah. And, what I know based just on statistics is that it is not that common that a veteran does this. It's also not all that common that someone with a mental illness actually does, you know, these, these types of crimes of violence, right? As far as, uh, you know, we, we just had Michael Sodini from Eagle Imports and also the founder of Walk the Talk America on the podcast a couple of episodes ago talking about this and how, you know, we need to destigmatize mental health, right? And start addressing it in a positive way. And I, 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 and I, I see the veteran piece is just another piece of this. Those that are trying to, that are struggling with or trying to cope with post-traumatic stress disorder and other things. So Matthew, tell, tell us, I mean, you, you were, you're a Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you served, uh, faithfully our country. Uh, you were, you were in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be straight with you, bro. Did, have you been diagnosed with PTSD? Are you willing to answer? Uh, that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you uh, truthfully. Yeah, um, and so I, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, I don't. It's not something that you know a lot of people say, but or know now they do. Um, but it, it, and it was very difficult for me to even even say that or um, even go to like. Um, the the VA doctors and, and say you know and admit you know or or uh, agree with them you know or even accept what they were saying to me um, because it does come with a huge stigma I mean I think back to when I was a kid growing up and thinking about Vietnam vets and like oh no they're gonna have flashbacks right and like they're gonna start crawling under the table or you think of like um, the movies that early came out like Rambo that was basically a dude that like an army dude that came back and had like you know what we call PTSD. Right. And he just goes and like goes berserk. Right. And so, um, so there is like a stigma associated with, with, um, PTSD and that it be, it makes you violent. And, um, I don't think, you know, PTSD is not connected to any sort of violence. There's no like direct connection between PTSD causes violence. I mean, um, Mental illness does not cause violence. If you're predisposed to violence, maybe mental illness um, can can open up some wounds and make it, you know, more difficult to deal with those, or maybe unable to control your inhibitions or things like that. Um, I think more 
there's just a confusion about it in, in that somebody with PTSD has like flashbacks and they're always crazy and they're, and they're ready to go off like that. And it's just not the case. And, um, you know, it's not to, because it's easy to draw a correlation or draw a correlation between, you know, okay, this guy was a mass shooter. Um, he had PTSD that therefore everyone with PTSD must be a mass shooter. And we all know that's not how we, you know, draw causation. Um, and so for me, you know, it's kind of weird to say this on the podcast, but you know, for me, um, it's hard because there's another aspect of it that, um, you know, even with medications or, or whatnot, the VA is a government government run, obviously. And um, when the government or when the VA was uh, going to start um, turning over more records to the federal government, as far as cross databasing, who has PTSD or mental, who's has depression or mental illness, uh, anxiety disorders, things like that. Um, and who's on medication. There was a big fear that the federal government was going to say anybody on this list you, you you've lost your second amendment rights as a, as you know, Oh, well we can't afford to have another mass shooting because we can't afford to have another veteran with PTSD go shoot up a school. And so, like you said, it, it's very rare that that kind of stuff happens um, as a cause or, or uh, as a person has PTSD, even, even bipolar, you know, uh, if somebody comes out and says, yeah, the shooter, he had bipolar, he suffered from bipolar disorder. Well, I know lots of people that have bipolar disorder and they don't go shooting up schools. So we have to be careful. And I think that the good thing about this article, um, is it emphasizes that we just have to be careful how we stigmatize people and how yeah. we stigmatize a, a, a certain disorder and, and kind of, um, blanket those people as fringe people or people that you have to be worried about. Because I know when I first got out of the military, I, I, I uh, applied for a department and they, they rejected my application saying that it was too soon um, to the time that I had gotten out of, out of the Marine Corps and that too soon to, to my um, combat experience. And that was, that was straight up what they said. They said, you, you qualify, we ran your background check, but we just can't take you because it's too, uh, you know, too, too close to the time you were in combat. And there's, that's gotta be, you know, right there. That's proof positive that there is a, there's a stigma regardless, even in the, in the law enforcement community. Yeah. Tell me, uh, Matthew, uh, <clears throat> is it, is it reasonable to suggest that many that return from combat zones, whether it's diagnosable or not, come back struggling with, some some sort of mental anguish or trauma or whatever it might be. I mean, I can tell anecdotally from the people that I know, and I, I was an infantry guy, so I knew mostly infantry guys. But I'd say it's it, it, at least in the infantry units, um, it was more likely that you probably come back with some sort of some sort of emotional or um, maybe it's not diagnosed, but an emotional issue trying to blend back into society. I mean, mm. it, it, it happens. It, it's, it's natural because you're just, you know, all, all your whole life revolved around survival and, you know, kill or be killed type mentality. And so then you're thrust into 
you know, now I have to go out and I have to, you know, uh, go to the grocery store. I have to stop in traffic and things like that. And you're used to just like getting the mission done and doing things, whatever it takes. And so I think there is some adjustment and sometimes people struggle with that and it might be classified as PTSD or, you know, um, maybe like some sort of disorder where they're not able to, you know, blend back into society. But then there's also PTSD, um, that is just, it's more, um, I guess, uh, causes more visceral things where, um, you, you actually, um, it, it disables your ability to function the way, like those types of things don't allow you to function the way you should, or, or it affects yeah. your daily life in a negative way where you don't go out, you don't do certain things that, you know, you like to do, um, your, your relationship struggle, things like that. So I think that that's probably a lot of people suffer from somewhere along that spectrum. Um, and a lot of times they get classified as PTSD, um, just for lack of a better term. Sure. And so that's why it's, it's, it's unfortunate because just like, you know, you take a kid to, 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 if he's having emotional problems in school and you take him to the, to the counselor and they say, yeah, maybe you should see a, a psychiatrist or something. They say, yeah, he's suffering from a little bit of depression. Well, bam, if you get that stamp that, yeah, you suffer from depression, you have a mental illness, that's going to follow you, you know, your whole life. And because they always ask you, have you ever suffered, you know, a, a mental illness? Well, when I was 14, I was depressed. Well, yeah, a lot of kids get depressed at 14. A lot of people d get divorced. They get depressed for a while, but they get over it, right? So I think it's it's just the stigma of like yeah. attaching a label to a person based on something that may or may not, you know, be accurate. Yeah. Let's be clear that, by the way, it's really just a purchase of a firearm. The question that is asked is that, you know, have you uh, been adjudicated. adjudicated as mentally defective Mm -hmm. and those are some specific uh, legal definitions, and uh, so just because you, just because you have been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or things like that does not automatically disqualify that. That is not being adjudicated mentally def defective. Absolutely, um, and ne neither is PTSD. Now, Matthew, I appreciate you talking with us honestly and openly because I mean, here's the thing. After my chat with uh, Mike Mike Sodini a couple weeks ago, uh, my, my big thing right now is that like I, I really feel strongly that this just needs to get out in the open. That we need to have open, honest conversations about mental health and illness. Uh, that it's actually way more common than what people think. Uh, that it that most people, like the vast majority, like ninety five plus percent of people that have mental health struggles or issues are able to cope in a positive way, in a healthy way that are able to live completely normal lives. Mm -hmm. uh, are those that, are there those obviously that, that are not able to do that? Yeah, but it's the exception rather than the rule. And so just like we need to destigmatize uh, some of these issues surrounding mental health as it relates to also guns, uh, we need to do the same with veterans and PTSD and other things that veterans may be experiencing or struggling with as well. Uh, you know, this is how simple, like this probably was a conversation that first really opened my mind to the issue, Matthew, with a veteran, with a friend of mine that has spent time in combat zones, but is not infantry. Uh, he's actually, it'd be better to describe him as a mechanic. Uh, and he, you know, but, but living in barracks and things where occasionally mortars come flying in from, you know, who knows where, right? And, uh, you know, you, you learn what that sounds like and, you know, and you just, while you're there, you just have to like duck and cover and, and get used to it. 
and uh, and then you come home, and then you know Fourth of July rolls around. Something as simple as for, you know, fireworks is something you probably enjoyed before you went over there, and now you come back and you're you know every time you hear something go off from a neighbor, uh, you instantly transport it back to where you were nine months ago, hearing mortars come in. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. And like that, having that conversation with a friend, explaining that to me, like he's coping, I think, very well, as far as I can tell. And, but like that, that just really drives home the point of, of it's just, it can impact just about anybody uh, in the military. Uh, some more than others, obviously. Some see different things than others do or more exposed to the violence of war, but but there's even little things. I say little things. It's probably not that little, right? Like, uh, do sometimes mortars land, you know, in in and and kill some of our soldiers? Yeah, occasionally it does happen, right? You know, fortunately the enemy a lot of times has terrible aim, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and the and the fact is, like you're saying, um, just being under a stressful situation like that day in and day out changes like cortisol levels in your body and different yeah. hormones and things like that in your brain. So, um, yeah, the body reacts to what what's you know the stimulus is around it, and if it's constantly being stimulated, um, you, you you know your adrenaline's constantly spiked, you know, and so it does affect your body, and it takes a while to get those you know, levels all kind of normaled out. And if you're, if you weren't normal, you know, your levels weren't normal before, um, then it, it affects you even more or more or in different ways. So, um, I think it's just, you know, understanding it more and not like stigmatizing it as like connected to violence. I think, you know, if, if it was connected to depression or if it's connected to overeating or compulsive, you know, spending disorder, it wouldn't be, as big of a deal, right? But it's connected to violence, which, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of, you know, veterans with PTSD or anyone PTSD is not to go shoot up a a place, you know? And so that's just, that's the unfortunate part about it. Yep. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, All right. So good article too from uh, Pipe. Piper, yeah, Piper Smith on uh, truthaboutguns.com. Truth about Let's jump now into a story. This uh, is it, it, from the Houston area. Title is T-Mobile Security Guard Involved in Shooting the Injured Child, and He Has Been Charged. This is quite a story. Uh, it started out with a basically a robbery. Okay, So at 4 p.m. on Monday, uh, two men entered the store, and they grabbed a phone and took off. All right? Keep, that, that's it, right? Two guys come in. Grab phone, run. A T-Mobile security guard. This must be a rough part of town. <laughs> I've never been like, you know, I've never actually seen a T-Mobile security guard, <laughs> including one that's armed, because this guy intervened during the robbery and fired nearly a dozen shots at the man, mm. striking him. Claire Tidwell, who was in a car in the drive-thru at the McDonald's next door to the shooting scene, was hit in the leg by a stray bullet. She's like, what, four years old, did it say? Yeah, I think so. She's a little girl, okay? Six-year-old. She's a six-year-old girl. Her father, Danny Tidwell, told news that he's still reliving the moments after realizing his daughter was shot. We were in the window. We were buying our food, and all of a sudden, we heard gunshots. Me and my son, we ducked down because it was so loud. We knew it was close, but we couldn't tell where it was coming from. There was people running all over the place. My daughter was in the back seat, and she said, Daddy, I'm hurt. He grabbed her leg, applied pressure. Now, something interesting here in the story is it says he actually drove home and called the ambulance that then came and took Claire to the hospital from their home. Um, 
I don't know if they just live really close to the McDonald's or, you know, the hospital was for, I don't know. That just seemed really interesting to me, Matthew, that uh, he drove home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I suppose it's like, let's just drive to the, to the hospital sort of thing. Right. But people, right. you know, sometimes panic and don't make very clear uh, decisions in these kind of situations. I mean, this would be frightening, right? That you're just minding your own business and all of a sudden your child, your six year old in the back seat is like, dad, I just got shot. Right. <laughs> Uh, it says here, now this was a thing that was really alarming to me. Uh, first, just some context. This store was robbed multiple times, even just two days ago. So yeah, there's a reason why they have security apparently. And this says this, the woman said, this is apparently a woman. She's identified herself as the security guard's mother. She says that the store's manager gave her son, the security guard, permission to fire at a suspect once they left the store in the event of a robbery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, the manager's got a lot of power, right? He's like, I'm going to make my own laws. I, uh, You know, talking about sovereign sovereignty, right? He's got his own sovereign nation in the, in the T-Mobile parking lot there. But yeah, I mean, this is... <clears throat> excuse me, this this underpins every single thing that we always talk about. And people are like, oh, you have to talk about safety again and knowing where your rounds are. And, and, you know, and it's like, yeah, why not? Like, why don't we have to go over this every day? Because it's it's important. I mean, it's critical. This girl easily could have died, easily could have lost yeah. her life. F- over more, what? More it, than a dozen shots, it says, were fired. Right. So it could have been not just her. It could have been, you know, everybody in that car could have been either killed or injured. And so like, it's just, it's so crazy. And when you think about it and and you break it down and you go backwards and you say, what precipitated all this, you know, this girl getting shot? Um, What precipitated? Well, the the initial, you know, the initial cause was somebody stealing a cell phone. And so like, it it doesn't even make sense. But sometimes we always... We get way down the road of like, well, at the time he pulled his gun, was he justified in shooting? It's like, no, 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 hang on. What what led up to that? Like, why was he even there to begin with? Why did he put himself in that situation? Well, he has the right to go out and, you know, look and see somebody who's breaking into his car. Yeah, he does. But sometimes doing that puts you in a, on a path of, you know, cascading problems. So it's like, let's look at our decisions before we even get down the road of pulling the gun out and shooting. Um, and, and because stuff like this just can't happen. It just yeah. can't. We're talking about a business that worst case scenario in this kind of situation is they lose, they lose money over stolen, you know, lost, lost goods. Right. If this is true, that the manager of the store told a security guard, you, you are authorized to shoot, <laughs> to kill. Once they leave the store, that's with stolen nuts. goods, that is insane. And I would also say, if true, now it doesn't remove responsibility from the security guard. Like somewhere you've got, like as a gun owner, he's clearly a gun owner. And I, I, I don't, I have no memory of T-Mobile like ever training or authorizing like an armed uh, security, you know, team service for their stores. <laughs> so like this is clearly like. Like he's a security guard. I I'm thinking maybe hired by this particular store, and perhaps he has a concealed carry uh, in Texas to be a license to carry permit, and he's probably carrying his personal gun. And the manager apparently knows this and is okay with it. 
like if true, like this is just in, this is insane. But this guy still should somewhere he should have been like, you know what, that, that doesn't really jive with my understanding of the law. Right. Um, but the problem is, there's people that don't really understand the law the way they need to or should. So this is yeah, there's uh, a comment from uh, uh, high caliber concealed carry training saying so many things wrong, and that that is that is an understatement, I would say, <laughs> with this story. Now it looks like Matthew, you're up against your hard stop. You got to run, and and uh, yeah, sorry, that's totally cool, bro. Uh, appreciate you joining me for as long as you could here on the podcast today. Yeah, I'll be tuning in as I go drive. So, <laughs> hey, you you know, actually, that's a good point. You know, like you could just like use the Zoom app on your phone. <laughs> I probably could. No, we, we want you to drive safely. So, anyway. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. All right, I'll see you, you, buddy. So, uh, yeah, just wrapping up this story here. That this just wow. I mean, this little girl's so lucky. Uh, her family's lucky. The security guard's lucky. The charges would be so much more worse if he had actually killed this little girl. It's it's just so many it's, yes as high caliber said there's so much wrong here on so many different levels uh, number one the fact that it's over a stolen good as far as we know the the thieves or thieves I was gonna say thief and then I remember there said there's two men that entered the store but then they only shot at one guy apparently I don't know the the thief here as far as we know didn't even have a weapon like just it sounds like walked in picked up something off a shelf ran out the door. He gave chase and then fired after him. And uh, yeah, I mean, a dozen shots over a phone or an accessory or something. I guess it does say he grabbed a phone. This is insane. This is this is wrong. Uh, this is why we do the podcast. All right. So if anybody knows this man, or if anybody knows anybody working in security, or anybody knows anybody working in whatever, or if you just know somebody that carries a gun period. Like you should make sure you share the podcast with them right now. Okay. Get, help us get the word out. Uh, help folks get the information they need. It's so easy to listen to podcasts, right? Because you can get on your phone, you can get on your tablet, you can get on your computer, you can get it anywhere that you might be. Uh, download the podcast, go to iTunes. If you're an app, Apple user, go to Google play. If you're an Android user, uh, or you can download any number of apps where we are now on, uh, Spotify. So if you're a Spotify user, you can get the Concealed Carry Podcast on Spotify. Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, there's a number of others, okay? So, folks, do me a huge favor. Today, tomorrow, this week, share the podcast with someone you know who is freedom-loving, Second Amendment-believing, concealed carrying, and even if they're not concealed carrying, well, still share the, park if, the podcast with them if they're a gun owner or whatever, uh, because we want to convert them to be a concealed carrier, right? So uh, share the podcast because people need to hear stuff like this so they, they know ahead of time, like, this is not cool, okay? All right. Crazy story there. I'm just so thankful that that little girl is okay. It sounded like that wound was uh, not not too, too bad, you know, reasonably speaking. One thing, too, by the way, the other thought that came to my mind was make sure you have a tourniquet with you or multiple tourniquets. Uh, this could have been a situation, uh, we don't know, where this little girl may have needed a tourniquet uh, to apply to that leg. That father may have needed to administer aid to her right then and there. If, if this had struck a major artery, uh, it could have been very, very, very different for her and for her family. Here's another story. Concealed carry holder accidentally shot himself in leg. Patch.com reports 39-year-old man was wounded when the gun he was carrying went off while he was walking. 
According to the details here, which are limited, police say a loaded handgun this man was carrying inside his pocket discharged a bullet that struck him in the leg. He was transported to a hospital. He's listed in stable condition, so he's going to be okay. Uh, It says that no charges will be filed. I think this is remarkable. This is in Chicago, by the way, uh, because the man has a valid FOID card. That's a firearm owner's identification card that's required of all firearm owners in Illinois and a concealed carry license. Uh, so obviously, it would appear this was an accident. Uh, I could definitely think of some jurisdictions that would still charge him with unlawful discharge of a weapon, you know, within city limits or things like that. In this case, Chicago is letting him off the hook. But uh, crazy, you know. I, I read a story like this, and I have to, th- I have to wonder: was he not carrying it in a holster? And I, I know there's folks out there that do this. They will pocket carry a gun and just throw the gun in the pocket. That's that's a no-no. If you're going to pocket carry, get a pocket holster. Get a good quality pocket holster. There, there are a number of them out there. Uh, yeah. So that's all I had to say about this. This seems to me that dude was probably not using a holster. Or it could have been a faulty holster. Uh, sometimes, and I have seen some cheaper pocket holsters that just don't hold up very well. And, and, and it's certainly plausible that that material could get worn out or or something that might cause that trigger to still be accessible uh, or somehow pressed even through the holster. Uh, so yeah, use use some good judgment and common sense as it relates to choosing a good quality holster if you're going to carry in a pocket. And I, occasionally I will carry in a pocket. Uh, and I have a DeSantis pocket holster that I, that I really like. It's well made. It's, it's, you know, it's got some good heft to it. I mean, it's a solid holster. Uh, works well with my Ruger LCP too. That's not my preferred, you know, primary carry. Uh, it sometimes might be a backup, but there are times where that is for whatever reason, the only gun I can get away with. So anyway, get a good pocket holster. Don't do this. Man shot during fight on red line. This is like a, a train. Yeah. It's a train in the Chicago area. <clears throat> And the story goes, this is according to abc7chicago.com. Man who was shot during a fight with another man on the red line on Saturday has been charged with aggravated battery. Police said one man shot the other in the stomach, the victim, and I guess they're describing, meaning the man that got shot, right? He then grabbed the gun and beat the shooter with it. Both men went to the hospital. I'd have to say that the shooter, okay, it sounds like he had his gun taken away and then he got beat with it. He's lucky this guy didn't shoot him right back. Now, if you just read that part of the story, you're led to believe that the man that shot the other man is probably the bad guy, and the guy that got shot is the victim, because it says it uses the word victim, right? On Sunday, police said the man who was shot was charged with aggravated battery slash use of a deadly weapon, and that the other man that pulled the trigger had a concealed carry license. And it's not clear if that man will be facing charges. And they're probably because they're trying to sort out what this altercation was and who started it and and some more of the details surrounding it. But it would seem this story reads as though the concealed carrier, the CCWer, was somehow, you know, he was being attacked or threatened and felt that he had a need to draw that gun and use it. The only problem is, and he may very well have been justified. We don't know. Well, that, that's a detail that would have to get sorted out, right? That's why they're doing this investigation. But what we do know is that after he shot the aggressor, it would seem, he then had that gun taken away somehow, and then he got beat with it. Holy crap. All right. Retention is important, folks. 
And uh, if you have the opportunity to attend some sort of ECQC course, extreme close quarters uh, combat or fighting or uh, anything like that, uh, Craig Douglas, for instance, does a fantastic job with Shiv Works teaching those courses, Greg Elfritz uh, and others. And that's something that I'd, I'd like to see us as a company offer some some courses on as well at some point down the road because I think it's really key. That's really what ECQC comes down to is is fighting up close in your face uh, and at times using a gun and knowing how to do that and not have it taken away from you, right? So anyway, crazy story there. My goodness. So and, and that kind of was a crossover of sorts, like it wasn't officially listed in our justified save story. And it's partly because it was a little unclear exactly what went down and police didn't seem like they were entirely sure whether the CCW or was in the right or wrong or not in the case. And it reads as though his, that he was justified, but it was a little bit, you know, we were a little unsure about that. Either way, it kind of crosses over into, now we have a couple of stories about justified saves, if you will. Now, in the first one out, Albuquerque, krqe.com, man killed, business owner injured during parking lot confrontation. This is an Albuquerque business owner. He uh, apparently owns Chavez Concrete Contractors. And he was apparently, I don't know if he just was there late or if he got some sort of alarm that alerted him to something going on. And so he then report or yeah, reported to the business so he could see what was going on. Uh, either way, this man, he discovered another man wandering around the company parking lot, casing vehicles, looking for a vehicle to steal or to take. So it was around 9 PM on uh, Friday night, the owner called 911 and he reported that someone was in his lot casing vehicles. After that call, police said the business owner and the suspect had a confrontation and the and gunfire was exchanged. Police said the business owner was shot and injured, but he also shot at the man, killing him. Officers found the man dead inside a construction vehicle in the lot. Then it says the business owner was involved in the gunfight with this individual that's deceased. So we're talking to him about what happened. So they're obviously investigating this, trying to figure this all out. Police collected a lot of evidence, it says, at the scene. And uh, as of right now, there's no pending charges, uh, but, you know, they're investigating, right? But it seems to me, that as far as we read it, that it seems like a good shoot. Now, there is an interesting detail here. It does say that the business owner who who shot at the at the bad guy here, that he uh, called 911, that he reported this, that there was a man in the lot casing vehicles, and that after that call was placed, he then had the confrontation with the suspect where, where shots were fired. So it would seem to me, this is kind of almost like a George Zimmerman type situation, right? You call 911, report suspicious person, then something happens and somehow you win, you know, like after the fact, you end up face to face with that person and you, next thing you know, you're pulling the trigger. Uh, so the question I think has to be asked from a tactical side of things, from a perhaps even moral side of things, I'm not talking about legal perspective here. I'm just talking about like tactically, does this, does this make sense? You have a suspicious person in your parking lot or whatever it is on your property. Even this happens all the time too, where folks, uh, call to report something, you know, a, a, a trespasser or a break in or something like that, even into a garage or a shed. 
And then they go out after that person to confront them, to investigate, to see what's going on. And they take the gun with them. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you're pulling that gun, you're firing shots. All right. So yes, maybe legally you may be justified in some of these instances to do, to do what you do. Certainly there's nothing that says in the law that you can't go and investigate something involving your property or check into things. You have the right to do so. So that, that's, that's gotta be clear. That's, that's fair. But is it safe to do so? Is it tactically wise to go out, you know, to, to now put yourself closer to the event? In this case, a man is in his parking lot and he calls and reports it. He did the right thing in that regard, but it sounds like something obviously, you know, happened that caused him to be in close enough proximity to feel that there was a threat against his life and he had to draw a shoot. Now, in this case, yeah, he, he probably did the right thing as far as he returned fire when he was being threatened, shot the man, but he himself was also shot and wounded. He could have lost his life. And that's why the tactical thing, you know, more importantly sometimes than even the law, it, we have to think from a tactical side of things. Does this make sense for me to do? Does it make sense? I, I increase my personal risk by going in search of or seeking or investigating this, whatever it is that's going on. That's just a reality. You increase your risk. And by so doing, you might get yourself hurt or killed. Then if you made a mistake somewhere else, it's possible you you have a legal challenge to fight back or, or defend against as well, right? Now, obviously, we hope that's not the case uh, because we want to make sure we're good uh, students of the law and that we understand the use of deadly force and, and when it applies and when it doesn't apply. But uh, tactically, right, This it, to me, it seems like this, this man should have placed the call and then stood by somewhere safe and waited. Either way, he's still alive and uh, he defended himself successfully. So now our final story. And this is an interesting one because we we call we classified this under our justified saves, but <sighs> well, let me just go ahead and go into it. Denver Post reports. Aurora, so this happens is Aurora is a metro area city. It's a pretty big city. It's like the second largest city in Colorado next to uh, Denver. Aurora Halloween shooting victim drew gunfire away from wife in Xbox sale gone wrong. A man here was killed in Aurora on Halloween day. He was attempting to sell an Xbox console, gaming console, to a teen who contacted him online via Facebook when the teen opened fire, the victim's wife said. Jacob Clymer, that is C-L-Y-M-E-R, he died later that day after he was shot several times by this 15-year-old boy. This boy contacted him via Facebook through Facebook's uh, marketplace feature. This is uh, similar to like Craigslist, if you're not familiar. He contacted Jacob Clymer to buy his Xbox for $250. I'd done a little digging into this uh, family and into this story because I this, this story breaks my heart. Jacob Clymer, let me tell you about him. According to his wife and uh, family members, he was a good person. He was a father. He was a dad to three children. 
he was you know doing everything he could to be. In fact, recently he had made the decision to be a stay-at-home dad so his wife could work. And uh, he, it seems that he enjoyed and loved his children. Another situation, another interesting uh, fact about them and their situation is that uh, they were going through some difficulty as far as uh, seems like they were about to lose their place that they were living. Uh, Denver and this whole area here is very, it's a very expensive market to live in. Cost of living is very high. It's something that I myself find difficult about living here in this area. Uh, They were looking at moving to Texas and they had actually had a GoFundMe page set up to help raise some money so they could actually be able to accomplish this. So they could move to Texas where the cost of living was less and they could do it, you know, be a little more successful at supporting their family. So basically he's selling this Xbox for 250 bucks, which is not a lot of money necessarily, but it probably makes a big difference to someone that's in their situation so that it can pay to move to Texas. And so they can stop from being homeless keep themselves from being, you know, from being without a home, a place to live. They met this young man, this 15-year-old boy, near some apartments. The buyer pulled out a gun and told the couple to hand over the Xbox. Jacob then pulled out his own gun and told the buyer, let's not do this. The buyer, the 15-year-old boy, fired multiple shots. Jacob fell to the ground bleeding. Much of this detail, by the way, is according to his wife, who was right there alongside him witnessing this. In a panic, she tried to save his life, but didn't know what to do because she couldn't find the bullet wounds. She tried to keep him awake. By the way, it's kind of, you know, Halloween was a fairly cool day. It was pretty cold, uh, right around freezing, probably about 4 p.m. It's, it's probably pretty close to, you know, freezing or just above freezing. So, yeah, it's, this is actually a really interesting lesson to be learned, that uh, if you're particularly when you're wearing heavier clothing, it can be very challenging. To, you, you need to get that clothing off of a person to find the wounds. That's why a lot of times, you know, after an officer is involved in a shooting or even in the military, right? When, when a dude, when you've just seen a bunch of action, you know, you're going you're gonna to be checking and you're going to be having your buddies check you. And hopefully your supervisor, your commanding officer, whoever's going to be, your unit leader is going to be telling you guys, check, hey, guys, you know, make sure you're okay. Because sometimes you can have bullet wounds and, and not even realize it at times, uh, at least initially, right? And it could be difficult to find and recognize, you know, where those might be. So you got to get that clothing clear or you need to have someone check you very, very, very uh, thoroughly. So uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, Jacob Clymer passed away at the hospital later that afternoon. He leaves behind his wife and three young children, two daughters and a son. Miranda Clymer, his wife, says that because of her husband's actions, he drew the shooter's attention away from her and saved her life. She could have been caught up in this very easily. She says, he was a hero in my eyes and always always will be. Police later arrested a 15-year-old boy on suspicion of first-degree murder. They will not release his name because because he's a minor. It seems, though, that the prosecutor intends to file at a later time charges to charge this uh, young man uh, as an adult. Uh, This is a pretty cold, cold cold-blooded murder. Now, a couple of interesting things here. So, I want to be respectful to him. Uh, this, This dude is one of our own. This guy is our people. That's why I'm really taking some time to talk about this story. Jacob Clymer was a concealed carrier. He was a CCWer. He had a family. I'm, I'm, I'd like to believe that he wanted to protect that family, so he carried a gun for defense. This particular day, uh, unbeknownst to him, he was going to have to pull that gun out in defense. And, and unfortunately, uh, it, it didn't go well for him. 
the first thing I want to talk about is I wonder if he hadn't pulled his gun in the first place. Keep in mind that, uh, yes, is he justified to do so? Once again, this is, this is, what does the law say, right? What does good sound tactics say about a situation? We have a drawn gun. Okay, this, this kid, he's got the element of surprise. He whips out a gun out of nowhere. You you don't have the chance to react and says, hey, hey, man, hand over the Xbox. Or it could be whatever. You know, you put yourself in the, in, your, in these shoes. It could be your phone. It could be your wallet. It could be the keys to your car, right? It's it's an object. It's it's stuff, okay? Now, you, you don't necessarily always know in that kind of situation, is this guy going to take my stuff and then shoot me because he's cold-blooded and wants, you know, it does, just doesn't give a crap, doesn't want to witness whatever it may be. But many of these armed robberies will resolve by handing them the stuff and walking away. All right. I, I can't make that decision. I can't, I can't even judge this man from doing what he did. But what I will say is that 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 has to be considered. We have to think about that at least. We can't just automatically go, you know what? Like if your mindset is, if gun appears in my face, my automatic programming is going to be draw my gun. Uh, that's probably going to get you killed in a lot of contexts or at least very, very seriously wounded because it's going to be really challenging for you to beat them on the draw when they've already drawn, right? It'll take a, a, an average person about a quarter second to recognize what it is that you're now doing and then simply pull the trigger. Whereas it's going to take you minimum, and this dude's probably wearing heavier clothing, so minimum a second and a quarter, second and a half, and depending on how practiced he was, it may have, he may have even been slower at drawing that gun out, right? You're going to lose that battle like 99 times out of 100. So you have to look for a different opportunity. You have to create that opportunity. You have to create some time. You have to buy some time. You have to create a distraction, whatever it may be. Uh, change your positioning, change your angle, change what they are able to see and perceive. Uh, you know, that if, you're, if you'd have decided you, for whatever reason, you need to use deadly force or draw out that gun, then you, you need to create or look for that opportunity and not just immediately go to drawing the gun when the guns are already, the other dude's guns are already in your face, right? So that's the first thing, tactically speaking. The second thing is, if you've made the determination to draw that gun, why end up in a standoff? Because that's what happened here is he drew out his gun and said, hey, man, let's not do this. But instead of pulling the trigger, he, he got himself shot. Uh, it was a standoff. And unfortunately, the 15-year-old kid, I mean, yeah, that's probably, honestly, his mindset probably, this kid's just a kid, you know? Like, I can probably talk him down or I can, you know, probably de-escalate this. Like, look, I'll show him my piece and he, he's already showing me his piece. And hey, man, like, look, like, I've got one too. You're just a kid. Like, let's not do this. And before you know it, he's this kid's already pulled the trigger three times and you're going down to the ground. This is a tough one because nobody wants to shoot a kid. But if you've determined that your life's in danger and that you've got to draw out that gun, this is why we talk about if you're going to draw out the gun, you better draw it out like you mean it and you then better intend to actually use it. Because rarely does just, you know, especially against another drawn gun, rarely does drawing out the gun simply de-escalate the situation. 
you only draw out that gun to unfortunately escalate it, to take it to that next step. And you're going to try to do it in such a way that you regain, you take back the element of surprise. That's what tactics dictates. Ignore the law in this case. We have to use our brain. I'm not saying like make stupid decisions as it relates to the law. I'm just saying that sometimes people make poor decisions not because of what the law says, they make poor decisions on the tactics side. And that's what happened here. And we shared two stories where tactically there was, there was some issues potentially. Right. And so, yes, we want, we want to stay within the bounds of the law. And in this case, I think this man showed an immense amount of restraint in that he didn't draw out his gun and immediately go to use it. In fact, according to the story, Jacob Clymer didn't even get a single shot off. He just drew out the gun and then he was shot. Right. I do think that in his trying to talk to this kid that he showed a lot of restraint, but that restraint ended his life. It is very unfortunate. I told you at the beginning of the episode, I'm, I'm going to ask for your help. So here it is. I would like each of you, if you're willing, to go to GoFundMe. And a very easy way is just go, I created a short link, concealedcarry.com forward slash Jacob Clymer. J-A-C-O-B-C-L-Y-M-E-R. Jacob Clymer. C-L-Y-M-E-R. Okay. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Jacob Clymer. There are thousands of you listening to this podcast right now as you hear this. If each of you donated $1, I promise you it would change this widow's life in a big way. She has a funeral to pay for. It's already happened. It's already occurred. She's getting bills sent to her right now as we speak. I'm sure of it. And, uh, yeah. And she's, and she's still got issues in her own life as far as like, where is she going to live? How is she going to get to Texas? You know, whatever it is, like her next phase in life, her whole life's been turned upside down on her head. Her husband is gone. Her children are fatherless. This, and this guy, mind you, is one of our own. He was a CCWer. So I'm asking, this is a very small ask. If you will just consider going to concealedcarry.com forward slash Jacob Clymer and consider donating a, a reasonable amount, whatever you think is appropriate for you. But at the very least, if everybody could just do a dollar, it would change this, this woman's life in a big way. All right. I hope that you'll join me in that. And I'm going to go and, and take care of that right now myself as I wrap up the podcast. So with that, that is our final story of this week. I appreciate all of you for uh, being a part of this and uh, joining us in the Concealed Carry podcast. Sorry we had to say goodbye to Matthew a little bit early. Uh, uh, we got into it and knew that he was probably going to have a hard stop that he you know, was going to have to take off, and, and uh, that sometimes happens. So <clears throat> anyway, a reminder of this last chance to purchase our complete home defense video course. Available now, concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. Please go do that now. Uh, take advantage of all of the bonuses that go away starting, you know, they, they go away tomorrow night at midnight, gone. Those bonuses are not coming back. If you want that highly defensible property DVD or course, actually, it's, in that case, just so it's clear, that'll be a online video course from Andrew Brinka. So it's not an actual physical DVD that you're going to get. All right. Just so we're clear. But uh, if you want the highly defensible property uh, course video, it's, it's going to be really good and it'll cover a lot of the con- same content we just covered in the webinar with Andrew last night, which was amazing. Uh, I think for everybody that attended, they, they agree with me on that. So that's a, that's just one of several amazing free bonuses 
that are only available during this launch period, which is right now, and it ends tomorrow at midnight, tomorrow being Wednesday, November 14th. So go to concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense, concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense, and take advantage of this special offer now. The course will still be available for sale after that. You just won't get the bonuses. And right now, the bonuses make it an absolute no-brainer. You're going to get well in excess of a hundred dollars, probably like 150. I haven't done the math on it, but you're going to get like over a hundred dollars of free bonuses for buying this like 40 or 50, whatever it is, dollar course. All right. So go do it right now. Concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. And then I hope we'll see you next week in our guardian nation black Friday sale. And that is unfortunately only available to guardian nation members. So if you are not a member, and you want to take advantage of the sale including taking advantage of some 75% off tactical and accessory type items. You're going to want to do that. All right. Stay tuned for further details. Uh, next episode, I think we'll have more to tell you about the Black Friday sale. It'll be awesome. It is every year. It's one of the biggest hits that we, the biggest things we do every year in the, in the company. In fact, we don't really make money on the Black Friday sale. We just do it to give back to our Guardian Nation members uh, and do something really cool and special for you guys. That's, I mean, you join, you guys play so much faith in us and, and joining the nation with us. So we so appreciate you. We, we, we are so thankful to have you as part of this small select group of people. And so one one of many benefits is you get to participate in a couple of sales each year that are huge, save you some big bucks. So guardiannation.com to get signed up and make sure you do that before the sale goes live next week, Monday, Eastern time on Thanksgiving night. Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for being here for this episode with me today. Uh, hopefully you got something out something out of it. So a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.